0: At the beginning of 2002, after the long and difficult year prior, I desperately needed a break. So I dialed up Hog Call, the automated telephone registrar at the University of Arkansas. And after listening to the short menu of options, I pressed 2, which automatically, officially, and immediately withdrew me from all my classes and from the university itself. And with that, I was free from the cold shackles of education for the first time ever. Was this a good idea? Who knows? I'm Jacob Slayton, and this is my entire life. So it's February, and I'm a college dropout, which felt pretty good to be honest. But I needed something to do, so I got a job at Southgate Pharmacy this little pharmacy inside the Marvin's IGA grocery store on the south end of Fayetteville, Arkansas. And my job was uh, that I was a delivery driver and I would spend every day delivering medicine to old ladies and Vietnam vets that couldn't get out of the house or didn't want to get out of the house for whatever reason. And it was a fun job. I would go into work at about nine o'clock in the morning and pick up my deliveries for the day and head out. And I would just drive around, listen to music, roll the windows down, kind of do my thing and my boss told me that you know, as a delivery driver for this pharmacy, which is a small pharmacy, you know, it was all about customer service and he said for most of these people, you're going to be the only visitor that they get all week. So, if they want to hang around and just talk to you a little bit, that's fine. You know, spend some time with them, get to know them, you know, be their buddy and uh we want them to have a good experience. So, I was like cool, you know, I can do that. So I would drive around to these, I had probably 30 or 40 regular deliveries every week, you know, the same people every week, sometimes it was more, sometimes it was less, sometimes I'd go to the same house twice a week. And it was cool. You know, I had like all these different little grandmas that liked having me around and I would stop in and this one little lady, um, I think her name was Miss Rose. And she lived in this really cool old house in Fayetteville. And every time I would go in there, she was always watching college basketball, just whatever was on. She was always into college basketball. And I didn't really care about sports, but she would always want me to sit down and talk basketball with me, which I, I couldn't really do. But I would sit there and listen to her talk. And and it was just cool. It was just kind of a fun, fun little job. You know, I'd have, you know, these little old ladies and make, make me cookies and brownies and send me home with all kinds of stuff and these crazy old men, you know, would tell me war stories and things. And it was just cool. You know, I'd pop in and and see my people for a while and then head back out. And, you know, it was a cool job. And I was making pretty good money, you know, for for me at the time. Um, And I didn't have to go to school, which was great. You know, I'm still living at the same house with uh, my same group of friends. And you know, the, the status quo was basically that, that we were all still buddies. Um, you know, they, they kept drinking, you know, regularly, and and I wasn't. And so there was a strange kind of rift in between us there. But it was okay. You know, it wasn't bad. It wasn't great. It was certainly better than uh, than the previous year. But anyway, so I'm working at Southgate Pharmacy. I'm making a little bit of money and kind of starting to hang out with a, a little bit of a different group of people. Um, I had a few friends around town, uh, mainly... Uh, my buddy Fat, who I actually knew and have known my entire life, uh, one of my best friends ever, um, was living across town at this point, and our other buddy Steve was in town. It was just so, so I was getting a kind of a different crew of people together, and these guys were way more into uh, the music scene and that kind of thing, and, and so that was fun. So we're going to shows all the time and everything. And one day, my buddy Steve tells me, he said, "Hey man, there's this um, music festival coming up this summer in June." And it's gonna be huge, and it's all like jam bands, you know, which is exactly what we were into at the time. And he showed me the lineup, and it was like crazy every band that that we we loved was going to be there you know widespread panic was headlining and government mule was going to be there and iron and wine and robert randolph and the uh the dead the their current like incarnation of the grateful dead which uh was basically everybody except jerry obviously was going to be playing there and trey Anastasio was going to be playing one night from fish and it was just going to be really cool and so he said look here's the deal we need to go to this festival but he said uh, I think that we need to contact these people and see if we can get a press pass. And I was like, well, you know, how, how could we do that? What are, you, what are you talking about? And he said, well, it says right here on the website that if you click this um, press inquiries link, it pulls up this guy's email. And he said, I emailed this guy and, you know, we'll see what happens. So I emailed this guy. Me and Steve both emailed this guy. And Steve told him that he was a writer for the some newspaper in Conway. And I told him that I was a writer for the Fayetteville Morning News. And I said, hey, we'd love to come and cover this concert. You know, we're journalists and this kind of stuff. And uh, to to our great surprise, um, he wrote back and said, hey, great. Um, you know, you guys are on the press list. I will uh, send you a package, and we're excited to have you come to the show. <laughs> so we're kind of like, what? You know, okay, awesome. And uh, like two days later, we get... Uh, in the mail, a FedEx overnight delivery package that had, uh, me and Steve each got these separately, um, but they, it each had like press credentials and VIP um, badges and, you know, this whole press kit about, I don't know, all the media stuff that we needed to know, which was like nothing because we're completely faking it. And, you know, it was like a letter from this guy that said like, thanks for covering coming to the show. Thanks for covering it. Here's what you need to do when you get here, blah, blah, blah. So we got these press passes and we get our tickets for this festival, which is called Bonnaroo. And no one had ever heard of this before. It was the first kind of big festival of its type. You know, At this point in time, there wasn't a whole lot of big music festivals going on. Certainly not for, you know, jam band type people like us. Um, you know, you had Coachella and things like that, but that was always a much bigger deal. And they had like, Lollapalooza and the Warped Tour and stuff like that, but that was always kind of more for, you know, hard rock kind of stuff, and so this was kind of the first of its kind, and so we were stoked out of our minds. So anyway, you know, the semester goes on, and my roommates are going to school, and, and I'm, you know, working at the pharmacy and making money, and we got this music festival coming up, and the semester ends, and couple of my roommates, you know, move home for the summer or go do whatever they're going to do for the summer. And a couple other friends kind of move in and take their spot just for the summer. And anyway, you know, life was cool for a minute and and is and coming up. And so we get ready to head out for Bonnaroo. And there was a group of us that was probably, um, there was probably seven or eight of us going, uh, including my little brother, Sam, and, you know, some other friends. And, you know, it was kind of this ragtag group of whoever could could uh scrounge together 300 bucks and and take off and so we drive down to bonnaroo which was in tennessee like right in the middle of tennessee in this little town called manchester and if you've ever been to bonnaroo or any like big festival like it you know when you start to arrive at it it's just like the most exciting thing in the world you know you see all the cars and all the stickers and all the you know hippies walking around and it's just like an amazing thing. And at this point in time in my life, this is what I was living for. Like it was everything. I was so excited. And so you pull up and, you know, there's like a line of cars that's, you know, takes an hour to even just get off, like just to exit the freeway to get into this place. And again, this is the first one. So they didn't really have the infrastructure figured out, I don't think, but, you know, we're waiting in line. Everybody's kind of driving slow and people are walking up and down the street. It's just so cool. So we we get into Bonnaroo, we you know it takes forever, but we're just having a blast. And you know I have this great photograph of I was in the truck with my brother, and the car in front of us uh, was another truck of our the rest of our group, and they had the tailgate down, and two or three of our buddies were like sitting on the tailgate, and one of them's like smoking a cigarette. One of them's playing guitar and one of them's got like a djembe and they're just like jamming dumb hippie music. You know, they're probably playing Dispatch or something. And, uh, you know, it's just like, yes, like this is what it is, man. This is what life is about at the moment. And it was just so cool. So we get into Bonnaroo, we get our kind of tent camp situation set up. And, you know, it's just fun to kind of park the cars and set up the tents and the hammocks, and and then me and Steve had to go and report to the press tent to get our media credentials for the weekend. Well, it was more than a weekend. It was like a five-day festival. And so we walk over to this press tent, and here's me and Steve. We're, uh, you know, 20 years old, and, you know, we're just like, just dummies. Like, we just look like idiots. You know, we got hemp necklaces on, and like, you know, we we just did not look at all, like respectable journalists, uh, like we were supposed to be. And we're in line and, you know, long story short, we give them our packet stuff that they had sent us and they give us a couple of wristbands and badges and all the credentials and stuff. And they give us a list of all of the press conferences that are going to be happening throughout the, uh, week. And we look at the list and it's like, You know, most of it is kind of no-name people that aren't really a big deal to us, but then they had some really big-name people, too, like Trey Anastasio and a couple of the guys from The Grateful Dead and Widespread Panic and Ben Harper and Jack Johnson and all these people that we were going to go get to go meet, you know, so we're, like, psyched out of our minds for this thing, and... Anyway, it was just like, we were just buzzing so much with just the energy and the excitement of it all, and uh, then we walk into the main festival area, and, you know, they have all these food trucks, and vendors, and t-shirts, and merch, and just all the cool stuff, I, I don't know, I've just always been drawn to just that kind of cool stuff, and they had like this general store where you can go buy snacks, and drinks, and whatever, and there's all this kind of stupid hippie, like, visuals everywhere, and there's... Girls dancing with hula hoops and guys juggling and just weird crap that you just see at music festivals. And it's just like so awesome. And I remember walking into that and just thinking, like, this whole thing was made for me. Like, this is where I belong. And I don't ever want to leave this place. (laughs) To some people, this sounds like your worst nightmare. But to me and my buddies, it was just like home. You know, we just felt like we were at home. And there's just something amazing to feel like you found your people and you found your space and your style and your setting. And this is who you're gonna be, you know, at least for a while, it just felt so good. And we had an amazing time at Bonnaroo. And I have to tell you, one of the greatest stories of my life uh, happens at Bonnaroo. So uh, me and Steve go to this press conference, which we were more excited about than anything else. And the people that were going to be at the press conference was Trey Anastasio of Fish and Bob Weir and Phil Lesh of The Grateful Dead, which there's very few superstars that are bigger than that in my book. And uh, we were just psyched out of our minds. And they they were definitely the, the headliners of the whole festival, like the biggest names there. And so we go to this press conference and we got there kind of early. And I just remember this scene of like me and Steve sitting, we were in the front row, dead center of this press conference, and right in front of us, we were sitting on the ground, actually, in front of the front row, uh, which like there's just maybe 30 chairs in this little tent, and we were sitting in front of those front row of chairs, and right in front of us, close enough for me to touch, uh, there was a coffee table, and right beyond that was a couch, and then Trey, Phil, and Bob come and sit down on that couch. And they were five feet away from me. And it, it was just like insane. Like these are these are my heroes. You know, these are, especially Phil and Bobby were, you know, that's that's two of the greatest musicians of all time, uh, from the greatest band of all time. And you know, we are just like losing our minds. And all around us are like these actual professional journalists with like cameras and microphones. Me and Steve didn't have cameras, microphones, tape recorders, anything. We just had like, we each brought like a little notebook and we had like a pencil, and we were just like writing stupid things on the notebook to each other to show him, like, you know, I'd write like, "Oh my gosh, this is awesome!" and like show it to Steve, and he would laugh, and it's like, "This is so dumb." We we never had any intention of like actually pretending like being journalists. So we have the uh, press conference, and there's all these people from CNN and National Geographic and Rolling Stone magazine and everything, and we get to sit there and listen to Phil and Trey and Bobby talk about whatever. It was just so cool. I mean, they were close enough to to almost touch. And so after the press conference is over, everybody kind of gets up and, you know, and then the journalists kind of crowd Phil and Trey and Bobby even more, and it's kind of a little bit of a, a little bit of chaos for a second because everybody's wanting to shake hands with them and get pictures and get little exclusive inter- interviews and stuff and and it was a little bit of chaos. And at the same time Phil and Trey and Bobby's like you know their people their little entourage were kind of coming in to kind of help escort them out of the chaos and get them back to their you know their RVs I guess all the all the uh, all the bands had their RVs like in this whole VIP band section and so in the midst of the chaos I kind of got separated from Steve And there's just all this kind of hubbub and, you know, Phil and Bobby kind of get whisked away pretty quickly. And then Trey's still standing there talking to people. And then he's kind of starting to leave and he's got probably 10 or 12 people that are with him. And I kind of realized like there was a quick moment where like the security in the press tent was kind of thrown off guard for a second and nobody really could see who was who. And uh, Trey and his people start to exit the back end of the tent. And I thought, this is my opportunity. And so I just kind of ducked in with his entourage and started walking with him. And to my surprise, I was able to make it out of the press tent and into like the band only area or the band and crew only area, which the press people were not really allowed to get into. So now I'm walking with Trey Anastasio and 10 or 12 of his people somewhere. I don't even care where, but I'm in this group with them and we're walking kind of fast and Trey's Trey's getting everyone's attention. You know, the crew, everyone that's there knows who he is and they want to say hi to him or whatever. And so I'm walking in this group and I I think, okay, I got to like shake his hand. I need to meet Trey Anastasio officially. And so what I do is, we're kind of walking down this long corridor. This is all outside, but there's like walls built for kind of walking paths. And we're walking down this path and I decide I'm going to jog ahead and stop and turn around so that now Trey's gonna be walking towards me. And he was at the front of his pack. and So that's what I did. I ran forward 20 yards and stopped and turned around and now Trey's coming right towards me and I just reach out my hand and I say, I say, hey Trey, thanks for coming, man. And he goes, oh, it's so great to be here. And then he keeps on walking. And I was like, oh, that was awesome. Like I just met the man himself. And then the um, entourage keeps moving and now I'm standing in this weird location fully backstage and I don't really know what to do next. But I look up and I realize I'm standing directly behind the main stage of the event. I'm, I'm directly behind the main stage. And I'm kind of looking around and nobody's really paying attention to what's going on. And all of a sudden it starts to, these clouds kind of come in and it starts to uh, sprinkle a little bit. And I look up and there's, there's a, a set of stairs that go up to the stage itself from the back where like the band and the crew actually enter and exit from. And there's a security guard standing on those stairs, blocking, blocking those stairs. And right as the clouds roll in and it starts to sprinkle a little bit, that security guard steps off of the stairs and goes up under the stairs where he had a little bag sitting there. And he kneels down and he's getting in his bag and he's pulling out a rain jacket or something. And I realize, oh my God, this is my opportunity. <laughs> and so um, while he's under the stairs in that split second of time, i took my chance and i ran up the stairs and i now i'm actually on the stage and i'm standing there and there's all these you know these stages are gigantic you know you don't really realize how big these main stages of these events kind of really are but they're huge and back behind where the band actually is there's just like cases and cases of gear and equipment and speakers and there's like you know tables and people kind of milling around and whatever and nobody was really paying any attention to me. Most of the people were kind of trying to cover things up for the rain, which was perfect. I look around, there's this huge stack of cases that say Grateful Dead on them. And it's, it's like clear that like, this is the same case that has probably been with this band from the beginning, or at least a lot of years. And it was just so cool. And I see cases that say Fish on it. And it's like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And I look around and I realize, again, I'm on the stage, like on the stage level. And there wasn't anyone playing at the moment. Um, they were like in between bands. Um, but I can see the whole crowd out there. And I realize like they can see me. And I was like, okay, this is not where I want to be. And I look around and there's another set of stairs that goes up even higher to what ends up being a um, like a balcony that overlooks the stage. There was actually one on each side, not on not not to the back of the stage, but to the sides. And so it's like two flights of stairs, and then there's this balcony up there. And there was actually like a bar um, up there, and on the on the stairs right at the bottom, and it's it said like VIPs only or something like that. And I just walked right past that, walked up to those stairs. And I'm standing up there, and there was like three other people up there that were clearly like in bands or like with bands. And here I am. Nobody knows who I am. I definitely don't have the right credential on me to to be in that area. But I look around, and nobody's really talking to me or bothering me at all. So I just kind of find a spot there, and I just stay there. And you know, at this point in the day, it's like one thirty in the afternoon or two thirty in the afternoon or something. And uh, I'm like, well. I am going to stay here for the rest of this day, <laughs> and I'm not going to move at all, and I'm going to watch uh, Phil and Friends play right here, and I'm going to watch Trey Anastasio play right here, because that same night, it was going to be the Phil and Friends show, and which is Phil Lesh and Bob Weir and all the Grateful Dead, and then Trey Anastasio was going to close out that night. And so I'm standing up there and uh, I'm looking around like this is where I'm going to be all day. And I have a little backpack and I think I had like a granola bar in the backpack and like half a bottle of water. And I was like, that's fine. That's all I'm going to (laughs) need. And I was fully prepared to stay there until, you know, 1 a.m. or whatever time the show was going to close. And that's exactly what I did. I stayed there all day and watched a couple of bands. I don't even remember what it was. But by the time Phil and Friends came on, now it's like... Eight o'clock at night, or nine o'clock, or whatever time it was, and or no, Phil and Friends played during the day actually because it was still daylight outside, and uh, and I looked down. Uh, when after the show starts and I'm up there dancing and it's amazing I'm, I'm just right there next not next to you but just above Phil and Bobby and and I look down and near the front row of the crowd about five or six people back I see my group of friends they had kind of made their way to the front and in the crowd there's a hundred thousand people I mean it was insane the number of people that was there there wasn't even any other shows happening in the festival at this time because once Phil and friends took the stage that was it for the rest of the The thing they knew that everybody was going to want to be at that show, and so my buddies made it down to the front, and I finally like get their attention. I'm sort of staring at them and waving, and at this point in time, that balcony that I'm standing on is full of people. You know, all the people that had access to it were up there, but I was on the front edge of it because I had been there all day, and so I'm kind of trying to get my friends' attention, and I'm dancing and having a good time, and finally one of them sees me, and they sort of get everybody else's attention, and they point up to me, and they're just like, "Oh my god." (laughs) there of course they were wondering like where i was all day because again we didn't have cell phones or no one was there was nothing there's no way when you lose somebody you just lose somebody so i watched the whole show up there and then phil and friends go off and then trey anastasia comes out and plays an amazing show absolutely amazing at this point i'm like starving and dehydrated but I i don't care i'm just having so much fun and after the show after trey's show you know everything starts to get shut down the crew is out on the stage breaking things down the crowd is leaving and, you know, it clears out pretty quickly. And so I'm like, well, I guess I'm done up here. And so I get off the stage, walk back to that sort of back area that I had originally gotten onto the stage from. And I thought, well, I'm still backstage. Like, maybe I'll just wander around and see what I can get into. And uh, so I'm walking sort of further into the backstage area to where the, all the uh, band RVs and everything were were sitting, like this big parking lot of RVs. And I see Trey Anastasio and he's walking Uh, from the stage uh, back to his RV and I I just like follow him over there I was just being such a creeper fan he goes inside this RV and I'm standing outside the RV and I'm like I'm gonna stand here for a while and uh, see if he comes out you know see if I can talk to him again or see if anybody else from the band comes out or whatever so I'm standing there for a while say 10 minutes or so just standing there and Robert Randolph walks up the amazing Robert Randolph (laughs) and who I was a huge fan of at the time too he walks up and I'm standing outside by this RV. There's nobody else around. Robert Randolph walks up and he, I think, assumed that I was with Trey because I was standing there like watching the RV and he goes, is Trey in there? I said, yeah, he is. And he goes, is he coming back out? And I said, I don't know. I think so. I, I didn't know. I'm just talking to Robert Randolph. So I stand there and I'm bullshitting with Robert Randolph for a little while. And then Trey comes out and Trey walks over to Robert Randolph and starts talking to him and it's just the three of us it's just me Trey Anastasio, and Robert Randolph and we're just standing there just talking and it was so funny because it was clear that Robert Randolph thought that I was with Trey's group and Trey thought I was with Robert Randolph's group and so neither one of them were like questioning my presence there at all and they were just talking and they were like including me in the conversation and it was so cool and they talked about like collaborating at some point in the future and stuff and it's just like a dream come true like coolest like famous person meeting experience ever by far so anyway after that I uh I make my way back to camp now it's like two o'clock in the morning or whatever and I walk into camp and all my friends are like oh my god where have you been you know and so I tell them the whole story and they're just minds are blown of course I have no proof of any of this um you know no photos nothing Um, but they had seen me on the stage and everything. And uh, that was just like the coolest and most amazing thing ever. And then six months after that, Bonnaroo releases like the official DVD of the concert or whatever. And so I got the DVD, of course, and and you can see me on it on the stage during the Phil and Friends show. uh, When Bobby's singing um, Sugar Magnolias, the camera like zooms in on Bobby and then zooms right past him. And then you can see me and my dumb hippie ass dancing and being a goober, you know, up on the stage. And uh, it's just amazing. So that was my proof. <laughs> um, but anyway, that, that was just one of the coolest experiences of my life. So go back to Fayetteville after that and kind of finish out the summer. And another funny story about that summer is uh, my buddy Brad had come and moved in with us um, just for the summer. This is the same Brad that shut off the lights at the greatest New Year's Eve party of all time in high school. You know, he, he moved in with us for the summer and he was kind of uh getting into a little bit of trouble at the time and um and he was selling weed that was kind of just what he was doing to make money and we all knew that and everything and again none of us were you know well I wasn't drinking none of us were smoking weed except for Brad And we just told him, you know, when he moved in, like, hey, we know that you're into this, but like, just don't do it at the house and don't bring your weird weed people over and stuff. And he's like, yeah, whatever. So anyway, one day I'm working at the pharmacy and I decided to come home for lunch. I had a little bit of time to kill. And so I was going to come home and make some lunch. And I get home and Brad is in there, is in the house with this other guy. And they were like clearly stoned and they were like heating up a pizza and like playing video games. You know, I was like, I don't care. You know, what's up, guys? And so... I go in my room, uh, or I make a sandwich, go into my room, and I'm sitting there. And after a while, I come out of the room, and I'm about to, you know, head back to work. And I come out into the living room, and Brad and his friend are gone. The TV is still on, whatever video game. The pizza is still on, or the oven's still on with the pizza in it. And on the coffee table is more marijuana than I've ever seen in my life before or since. It was just covered, a giant mound of it. It was just like loose. And they were, I guess they were in the process of like sort of going through it. And there was two gallon size Ziploc bags, like pillowed out full of weed sitting on the couch. I mean, it was everywhere. It was unbelievable. And then Right then, I get a phone call from uh, our other friend Ray, who was living there at the time. Uh, he said, "Hey, my parents are on the way over. They want to come see the house." And I was like, "You cannot bring them over right now. There's freaking weed everywhere. I don't know what to do with it." Brad's gone. Blah blah blah. And uh, I was like, "Oh my god, I'm freaking out." And so uh, Ray's like, "Oh shit, you know what are we gonna do?" <laughs> and uh, anyway, then like get off the phone with Ray, and then right then Brad comes back in the door. I don't know where they had gone, but I said. Ray's parents are on the way over. You got to clean this up immediately. You have like 30 seconds. Make it happen. And then I just like go back into my bedroom and, and shut the door and like pray that it all gets figured out before I have to answer to any of this. And uh, to my great surprise, like I hear the door open and I hear Ray's parents are like talking and I walk out there and I'm like, oh my God, and go out there and Brad is standing there and he's got the places all spit shine and clean. Looking good, and you know he turns on the charm and Hey guys, how are y'all? And Ray's parents come in, and everything's normal. It's like I don't know what happened to all that weed. I don't know how I got rid of the smell, but um, he he did. <laughs> it was amazing, but it was definitely uh, pretty scary for a second there. So anyway, continuing on in the year, the summer ends, fall comes back around, and at this time, I had decided I'm moving out of this house. Um, I need to I need to go do something else, and I had another friend in town, named Edward, and uh, he was looking for a roommate. And so it was like, let's let's move in together. And so he said to me, hey, just find us a cool place that's like walking distance to campus. And I trust you, just figure it out, rent it, whatever, I'll, we'll live together. So I was like, sweet. So I found this amazing little crappy apartment right next to campus. It was actually right in between the Pi Phi house and the Sigma Chi house. Um, right there on Maple Street, 522 West Maple Street, apartment A. That's where me and Edward lived. And it was like $400 a month. There was like no heat and air. There was like dial-up internet. And, and it was cheap. And she said that we could smoke inside. So we were like, perfect. This is all we want. So we move into the place. It's just like a fresh start. Like it just felt good. And it was just so exciting to just be with the dude that we got along so well together. And we just had a great time. And so then the rest of that year was just kind of just hanging out, you know, and I ended up getting back into school um, at that point, And I decided to major in recreation, which is actually a major that you can major in. <laughs> so I'm majoring in recreation with an emphasis on camp administration, basically camping, which I was already like an expert at. So school was like pretty easy again. And I was I was cool with with going back to school and um, I quit the job at the pharmacy and everything, and, you know, we just hung out, like, for for the rest of that fall semester, and it was just so much fun, and um, our place kind of became the, you know, the place to hang out, you know, it was just sort of the place, it was close enough to campus that everybody would just kind of walk over in between classes and hang out, and our door was always open, and we'd always just walk in and have just random friends hanging out in there, and it was just cool, and we would just, like, literally just sit inside there and smoke backwoods and cigarettes and dip Copenhagen all day. And, you know, we we had like a TV and a VHS player, but we didn't have cable or anything. And we had like two VHS movies. We had Fletch and we had the movie Swim Fan, which is a fantastic <laughs> movie uh, if you've never seen it. Um, but Fletch was on pretty much 24-7 in that house. And at this point in time, I'd started dating uh, Mindy, the same Mindy uh, from the party that we had at our lake house. And she became... You know, she was like truly one of my best friends. I mean, maybe my best friend. Um, And uh, we just had so much fun together. It was just awesome. And it was just, life was just good again. During this time, we were also going to concerts around town all the time. And it was just so much fun. I started skateboarding with my buddy DS. And we would go skateboard at the parking deck and smoke black and miles and it was just an amazing time it was just like maybe my best year of college ever uh, definitely my best year of college ever just a couple of quick music memories from that time and then we'll close it down and i'll tell you what we're going to talk about next time as i mentioned before the the uh the venue in favor was dave's on dixon and that was where all the cool shows were happening at the time and like i said i knew the bouncer there and and he would always let me in and actually just to back up a little bit, I actually turned 21 in September of, uh, of that year, of that fall. You know, my buddies had a cool, uh, they threw a big, you know, 21st birthday party for me and all of our friends came over and everything. And, and I and at that point, I did drink. I had a beer on my 21st birthday, and I I didn't drink anything before that, and, and it was cool. We didn't get out of control by any means, and so anyway, I'm 21. Now, I can get into all the shows anywhere anyway, so that's cool, and uh, just a couple of quick things. There was another venue in town called the um, Dixon Street Theater, and it's turned into something else now. Dixon Street Theater's gone. Dave's is gone. Everything's changed now, of course, but but back then, the Dixon Street Theater had just opened, and they were having shows all the, all the time down there. And one of the bands that would come through all the time that we loved was The Samples. And it seemed like The Samples were there every two or three months, you know. It was just kind of always there, and we kind of got to know the band a little bit. And, and uh, so it was fun. We'd go to sample shows and stuff. And, you know, in my mind, when I think back at that time, it was just like going to shows all the time discovering new music, actually got into taping shows. I kind of got this taping rig and I got permission from the people at Dave's to like tape concerts. And so I taped North Mississippi All Stars show and Mo came there and played a few times and Kudzu Kings, of course. And, you know, just different sh- There's this band called Vitamin A that was really, really good. And It's just an incredible time. I just felt like I was doing things right. Other music memories of that time was um, we were really into listening to Wilco. The uh, Yankee Hotel Foxtrot album came out around that time. Um, The Coldplay album, A Rush of Blood to the Head, was a huge one for me. And of course, Radiohead Kid A was on every day, all the time, all night long. I had like a sleepy time playlist that I would play on my computer. It was just basically Radiohead nonstop, all night long, just on repeat. And it was just incredible. It was a great year. It was an amazing um, compliment to the previous year, which absolutely sucked. And this year was awesome. Dating Mindy was awesome. We just had so much fun together. You know, life was good again. You know, it was great. And uh, sooner or later, that year came to a close. And I was looking forward to the next year so much. Next year, definitely became my biggest year yet because one day I walked into the student union at the University of Arkansas and I saw an old friend from high school that I hadn't seen in a long time and that became something amazing. And it changed the trajectory of my next year and definitely the rest of my life. And that's what we're going to talk about next time. It's all about fly fishing, rock climbing, going camping every night, getting a job, falling in love and moving to Guatemala of all places. So join me for that next week. Thank you for listening. Drop me a subscribe and give me a rating if you will. I would appreciate it. Thank you guys. Talk to you next time.